Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Ubaldi Reports. Throughout this campaign, we've heard the rising cost of college. And the candidates, at least on the Democratic side, want to make college free. Now, the one person who championed this is Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who is challenging former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for the Democratic nomination for president. Now, I went to his website, and he basically wants to make tuition free at all public colleges and universities. Now, part of this, he says in his number one point, this is not a radical idea. Last year, Germany eliminated tuition because they believed that charging students $1,300 per year was discouraging Germans from going to college. Next year, Chile will do the same. Finland, Norway, Sweden, and many other countries around the world also offer free college to all of their citizens. If others' country can take this action, so can the United States of America. Now, Hillary Clinton has also championed the same concept that Bernie Sanders has stated, that to make college free for all Americans who want to go to college. Now, Republicans haven't really come out with a detailed plan, nor have the other Democratic candidates, but their plan mainly is let the market decide the cost of college and some other and some other areas, but they really haven't defined what their actual strategy is. So I decided to find out, well, how does Europe keep college free? How does how do the Europeans, Germany, the, the Scandinavian countries, how is college free there? As I did some research, now this is easy, just go to the internet, type in a couple terms, college free in Europe, nothing earth shattering, but I wanted to find out why is it that Europeans have a le- it's very inexpensive or free for Europeans to go to college? Now, I found out some startling developments. First of all, college enrollment in Europe is much lower than in the United States. And what, did it, what I found out in my research is many of the Scandinavian countries in Germany and throughout Europe that Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton cite as having free college – the United the those countries have a much lower percentage of their young people going to college. So as you dial into that, you want to find out well why are young people in Europe much lower than here? Why is only excuse me, why do they have a lo- much lower participation rate in college? Well, as I found out like in Norway and Sweden and to a degree in Germany, if you have a, a parent who went to college, the chances of you going to college is much greater. If you don't have anybody in your family that went to college, the chances of you going to college is much uh, much greater that you will not attend college. Now, for my for myself, my parents didn't go to college. My dad had a very minimal education. My mom just graduated high school and, be, and became an executive secretary. And my dad went into the construction trade. So college really wasn't talked about. All we were told, if you want to get ahead, you need to get an education. That meant either going to college or going through the vocational train training. And my father, since he didn't have much college, he went through a vocational training at a local junior college as he became a welder. But because I didn't have anybody that went to college, I had to learn a lot of it on my own. But in the United States, it encourages those who've never gone to college, who never had a family member to go to college, to go seek higher education, whether you go through a junior college that I went, uh, employed myself, not employed, that I went to, I did my two years, then I went to um, a state college, and then I got my master's degree 
at a an institution back east. So this is something that is not readily discussed here. Also, in Sweden, which is often cited as free education, which it is, but the one thing they is not mentioned, the Swedish uh, students, when they graduate college, graduate with a much higher debt ratio than in the United States. And I was like, well, why is that? But then what people don't figure out, figure on is you got to live, you got to eat. And Scandinavian countries have a much higher um, standard of, of housing and all those things that are associated with um, going to school than in the United States. It's very costly to live in these Scandinavian countries. Now, the other aspect of the rising cost of college, which is far different than in the United States, is much of the European residential life takes place off campus. And universities throughout the, con- the, the, the continent, from you know, France, Belgium to, to Spain, the, the, the institution only serves as educational centers and not residential hubs. Many students, when they go to college, will live in the, in the dorms. The dorms can be very costly, and this adds to the high cost of education here in the country. Now, most students in Europe are far more likely to rent an apartment or a building near campus than ever set foot in a dorm. And they also, in Europe, because Europe is very small compared to the United States, the United States is vast. So Europe has massive public transportation infrastructure in these various European cities that that make it possible for uh, Europeans, and it eliminates the need to have these costly dorms and residential halls that you see in the United States. Now, the universities do attract some low-cost housing establishment around campus, but they do not serve as the primary provider for residency for their undergraduate um, programs. And also in Germany, which is often cited, if you live in a particular city, like I grew um, went to college in Sacramento in California, so if you lived, born and raised, you're typically only going to go to school in the city that you grew up in. In the United States, it's common for those who live in California to go to another state to go to school. I currently live in Florida. There's many students who come from the Northeast coming down to the warm climate of Florida. Well, that wouldn't happen in a lot of these European countries. Now, also an example is the University of Barcelona in Spain. And this is also attributed to many other European universities, that there is no central campus. The university buildings are scattered across the cities. There are lots of there are lots of these buildings, much like almost look like office complexes and building complexes for business that we have here in the United States, and they're spread out. So there is there there is no heart of the um, there is no dormitories. There's no sports teams, and there's no mascots. Now the sports teams will get to in a different. Um, part of this as we get to the United States, but I'll mention it here. Europe doesn't have collegiate sports team like they have in the United States. Now, for those who are sports-minded, the three biggest sports in the United States are basketball, football, and baseball. And the two biggest ones, baseball, excuse me, football and basketball, they use college as a feeder program for their their, um, professional teams. In Europe, like Manchester United, the soccer power in Europe, and some of the other uh, teams across the continent, 
they have um, their own kind of like a minor league system. They have their own academies where they draw their talent from. They very seldom, and they don't draw talent from the universities, which is unheard of compared to uh, the United States. Now, I'll get into the cost of that, but that's one area that draws down the cost of education in Europe. Also, like take Great Britain for an example. They don't offer the complex liberal arts programs that you have here in the United States, nor do they have liberal arts um, colleges. At, like I'd say at Oxford, one, you, excuse me, when you go to some of these universities, you really only study the major that you're going to do, and it's always a job feeder to, to, to get employment. So if you're an engineering major or a science major or biology or whatever, that's really all you're going to study. You're not going to have this kind of diverse university background that um, you would get here in the United States. Now, there was one famous actress from Harry Potter movies, and I think her name is Emma Watson. She decided to go to Brown University because she liked the diverse liberal arts background that she would get in the United States than she would have gotten in um, England. Because in England, you would just, and she stated this, you would just study whatever major you're going to study, and that's it. Well, here in the United States is a lot different. And then also, when you go to college in Europe, it's really only about two to three years. Here in the United States, it's four years. So those extra two years adds additional cost to education and um, in the United States, vice they have in um, in Europe, and it's a lot cheaper to attend because you have you're spending less time. You're not spending that that um, extra money, and obviously we know about the higher taxes, and that could go either way. I mean, so we know about higher taxes are helping to pay for this, so we'll not discuss that. But that's another factor that goes. They pay a much higher tax base than we do here in the United States. But all these other things. Um, tend to make it more expensive to go to school here in America than it um, than it does in Europe. And again, there's a lot of more array of these extracurricular a- um, activities. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations just came out with a book a couple, I think a couple of months ago, and it escapes me what the name is. And this is one of the the areas they talk about is all the money that the United States pays on student services, the expensive array of campus activities. I remember when I was going to college to get my bachelor's degree, this is a time when you could easily afford to work your way through school and still attend um, classes. So I had a I had a job, and I remember they wanted to raise the student union fee, and it was only like at the time another 50 to $100. And I remember I had a debate with some of my classmates, and I was against it. And they said, well, and this money was going to go to help the um, the athletic program. And the debate was, well, don't you want a, um, a top-notch athletic program? And, I, and the, the point that I brought up to them, the athletic program is not going to put food on my table. Any increase is something I have to incur. I'm not playing sports. I came here to go to get an education, not to be an athlete. Now, there are student-athletes who get phenomenal, um, you know, grades. They, they, they're really in, in, adhered to their academic um, 
reasons why they're there. I mean, they're just athletes of secondary, but there are a lot of athletes who go to college for a simple reason, to play sports, to hopefully move up to the NFL or NBA. So that's the point is in Europe, they don't have those type of uh, programs, and this drives the cost of education. Now, for the United States, and like I said earlier, college sports is very expensive. Now, as I was doing research for this podcast, I looked up, you know, the cost of college sports. Has anybody audited this? And the argument it always comes down to the big sports like football is probably the big one because it has more fan base in their stadiums. That pays for all the other non-revenue generating sports. And it's to a lesser degree basketball. And the question I always ask is, has anybody audited these universities to see where does the money go? Now, I live down here in, in, in Florida. We have the S, we're part of the SEC, South, um, Southeast um, Athletic Conference. And there's also the SEC channel. And every Saturday during the fall season, football, I can catch some of the big names, Alabama, Auburn, uh, University of Florida, Florida State, all these big teams. And they're getting millions of dollars in television revenue. And it's, 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 in some of these areas, it's billion-dollar business. And for across the country, it's a multi-billion-dollar business. But the Washington Post came out with an article in, um, in November 23, 2015, titled Playing in the Red. And they found out that a lot of these universities – a lot of these athletic programs, and the one they, mo- they, they named was a big university, was the University of Auburn. Now, what they did recently, they spent $13.9 million for 11,000-foot-high definition screen. And what the news article reported on, you could see that screen 30 miles away, into, um, away from that university. So you're seeing a lot of expenses go to athletics. And again, people can say, I'm not trying to be critical of college college sports. I love sports. But we have to define is, where does the money go? Now, if you go to the University of Michigan, and about a year ago, they hired Jim Habar, who's a former 49er head coach, to be their head coach for their football team. He makes $5 million, the highest paid public servant in the state of Michigan. Also, Michigan's university, their football stadium, houses around, I think, a max capacity, a little over 100,000 people. Well, where does all that money go? I mean, of most major sports teams, their highest expenditure is the, the, the players themselves. Well, the players are on scholarships. So where does all this money go? Now, Michigan has a very profitable athletic program, just like the University of Alabama does, because they're always in the public eye. It's a major university. But how many university and colleges across the country who do not receive those big television dollars, are they in the are they in the red or in the black? And this article comes out and says this stuff. They said most universities are not doing well. A lot of they mentioned the 24 of this server they came up with are in are in the red. So most of them are in debt. So these are some of the things that bring into the high cost of college education. Money's got to come from somewhere. And now the less the other area that most people 
Don't associate with college that is not prevalent in Europe, but is very prevalent here, is the bureaucracy and the pricey campus amenities. Now, the U.S. News and World Report did a report um, or an article on September 22nd, 2014. And what they wrote in this one article, it says, from 2000 to 2010, the median salary for top administrators at public universities rose 39%. According to the report, wages for public university presidents increased by 75% in that time, while full-time professor salaries gained just close to 19%. At private colleges and universities, top administrative salaries increased at least 97%, with presidential salaries rising 171%. Full-time faculty at private and independent schools increased roughly 50% during the same period this report cites. Now, this gets to be expensive. I mean, a lot of kids who come from modest backgrounds are struggling to go to college. Now, do we want to make college only for the wealthy and the power elite at the expense of everybody else? So these are the things that nobody talks about. It's easy to say Europe has free college, but you really need to look into it and uh, see why. Now, former, um, former U.S. Secretary of Labor and now a university professor of public policy at the University of California, Berkeley, Robert Reich mentioned in the same report, U.S. colleges and universities are overspending on unnecessary programs and campus perks, often financing pet projects via a growing subclass of adjunct and part-time faculty. Now, he was very critical of how money is being spent. A lot of these universities try to make these great gyms. Like I know Clemson University, when their football team went to the national championship, there was a report they were spending $30 million on an athletic program or an enhanced athletic um, infrastructure at their university. Now, the way how it gets spent, that's another story, but all these campuses across the country are doing this. Out here in Florida, I believe... One of the local university here is trying to build a viable and very high-tech athletic uh, gym for its students. The question is, why not partnership with the local gyms in the community and just get a cut rate rate for the students to go instead of spending millions of dollars on this high-tech gym, which that money could be used to go to other things and hopefully drive down the cost of um, education. But the same individual, Robert Reich, like I said, he was a former labor secretary under Bill Clinton, now a professor. In 2014, he made 242000 almost $300,000 for teaching one class at UC Berkeley. Now, he later on picked up a greater course load in the semesters that followed. But just in one semester, he would have made over, over $20,000 a month. So we're this is what we're paying one of these professors to teach public policy. And I spoke to somebody who was um, who supported this. Well, this is look at the quality of education. They're getting somebody of his caliber. Well, for two hundred almost three hundred thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. And how many students could have gone to school so they don't accumulate this huge burdensome student loan debt? which is getting well over a trillion dollars in the United States. Now, also, 
the former Homeland Security Director, Janet Napolitano. She picked up, she is now the uh, the president of the UC California system out in California. And she received a, a monthly housing allowance of $9,950. She also receives a $570,000 salary, $8,000, almost $9,000 a year car expense, and she received a $142,500, basically almost $143,000 one-time relocation cost. Now, this is all found in the new um, LA Times. You just Google Janet Napolitano and UC UC salary, and you can come up with this. And this is the same thing with the the current Treasury Secretary, Jack Lew. He made a lot of money at New York University and received about a $400,000 severance package. So all these things add into the high cost of education. Now, going back to the election, I know Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and others, and Republicans need to step up and find out how do you reduce this cost But one has to look, instead of just looking how Europe does it, it's easy to say everything is free. That's a great campaign soundbite. But we need to look at how does Europe do differently. For one, they don't spend the the millions, and this has got to be billions of dollars across the country, on the infrastructure, buildings, extracurricular sports programs, and, and the like. And so we need to look at all these areas. So... This is where the media should have delved into that. Once they say something is free, why is it free? How do they do it differently than they do here in the United States? Now, I'm a one-man show looking up all this information, but I was able to find it within rather a few minutes. So with the media, with the great budgets they have, they should have someone on staff that does this research and really challenges the presidential candidates on their assumptions. So it's easy to say Europe has it free. Let's do it over here. But is anybody really going to get rid of the University of Alabama's vaunted football program or Clemson's athletic programs or across the country? I would ask the candidates that. So let's hold these candidates not just on this issue, on other issues. Because another topic they want to make it free is health care. They look at Europe how the Scandinavian countries have free health care, but what they don't follow through on is, yeah, they have free health care, but they have huge wait lines. They have a one-payer system. The VA, the Veterans Affairs, is a one-payer system. Does anybody believe that's working for our veterans? So before we take it verbatim, let's do our due diligence, but let's challenge these candidates and the media to do their homework and challenge these candidates. So as we keep going with many of these podcasts, I'll do issue oriented. I'm going to try to do as much research on these topics and really hold the candidates who make these statements. Did you have to look at how everything is done? Did you look at not just use the sound bites? This is free. How is this being accomplished? If you also get the chance, keep listening to Ubaldi reports. Let me know what you want to hear, what you want me to research. Go to Ubaldi Reports on iTunes and Stitcher. Sign up. It's free. Let me know what you think. Go to Ubaldi Reports, my website. You can see many of these articles which I post. Also, if you have the chance, read my book, The New Business Brigade. You can find it on Amazon, which is a bestseller. You can go to any bar, um, any bookstore, Barnes & Noble, and order it. 
The premise of the new business brigade is why businesses should hire veterans and the untapped resource they represent. So keep listening to Ubaldi Report and let's challenge our elected officials because if we don't, we'll get the government that we don't want because we didn't take part. Thanks again for listening and tell your friends. And until next time, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.